When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, thanks for joining me today. Stories with Sapphire is an independently produced podcast. So if you like what you hear, visit patreon.com slash stories with Sapphire to learn how you can support the show and be a part of it. Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sandalo. Now get cozy and open your mind because it's story time. Welcome to the first season of my new show, where I'll be sharing the supernatural experiences that shape our world. If after the show you feel compelled to share a story or need paranormal advice, send an email to storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Chapter 1. How I Met My Husband Valentine's Day is right around the corner, so I wanted to open this episode by sharing the story of how I met my husband. 2011 was a bit of a chaotic year for me, financially. I was living in Northridge, California, and working a dead-end retail job. I was barely making rent or my hefty student loan payments, so it didn't make sense for me to continue living on my own, and so I came to terms with the fact that I'd have to move back in with my parents. This is a very normal and common reality for most recent graduates, but for dramatic young me, it felt like a prison sentence. The week before I was to make my move, I received a call from someone I barely knew back in college. He was working at a startup and had convinced them to hire a second animator for a marketing video they were working on. I was shocked. I'd actually be using my animation degree? Sounded way too good to be true. So I came in for my interview, and my friend introduced me to everyone in the office. Then he brought me over to a man with his back turned. This is Elliot he said. You'll be working with him. Elliot turned around, and immediately, I heard this voice in my head clear as day say, this man is going to be very important in your life. I froze. What just happened? Who said that? I shook Elliot's hand and went to the boss's office for my interview. I was hired immediately and started working there the following week. Seven years later, I married Elliot, so I guess that voice was right. A couple months ago, I found an old notebook where I had made a list of my goals back in 2011. Most of them were pretty dumb, and I didn't accomplish any of them, except for one. Meet Mr. Wright. I go back and forth on whether or not I believe in fate, this idea that everything is predetermined. But how else am I supposed to describe that voice? 
Chapter 2 The Soul of Terry Elasco Coincidences happen all the time. Some hold significance, and some are just fun little anecdotes. But sometimes, these coincidences are too hard to write off as simply random. Like this next real experience from Micah Yanessa in New Orleans, Louisiana. The name of the deceased has been changed for privacy. One day, me and my husband were coming home from work, heading up the mountains, when we were suddenly forced to a complete stop. Two motorcyclists were sitting by the side of the road with their heads hung low. Two more motorcyclists sped past us, looked at the ground, and dropped their bikes in panic. My husband and I looked over, and there lay a motionless body with a helmet carefully placed by her head. I couldn't bring myself to look at the body, but I will never forget that bike helmet. It looked like a child's, a silly cartoon with bright white shark's teeth painted across the front. 911 hadn't even been called yet, which meant this had just happened. We watched as the motorcyclists frantically called people on their cell phones. It was just a mere seconds ago when they were having a great time. My husband and I were one car back. The van the motorcyclist must have hit, or the other way around, was in front of us. I couldn't see the driver behind the wheel. None of us got out of our cars as there were too many people around the body already. There was nothing anyone could do. No expert had to pronounce it. We all knew she was dead. We were there for hours as we waited for the ambulance to come, for her body to be covered. No one was in a rush to lift her up from the ground and take her body. No one had grabbed her shark helmet. We had no choice but to sit there and wait for this whole scene to end. The sky turned dark, and we were all still there, both roads blocked. Then I felt something in the air, like something was wrong. I turned around, and people were standing by their cars, waiting for all this to be over, wanting to go home. I turned back around, and the lady, the lady was gone. The sheet that was placed over her body was completely flat. I looked inside through the open doors of the ambulance. No body. Where did her body go? Where would they have moved it? I asked my husband, is it just me or is that sheet completely flat? He laughed. Uh, yeah, it's just you. I shook my head. Okay, maybe I was seeing things. I squinted this time, but to me, the sheet still appeared flat. She was gone. My heart started to ache. I sat up when all of a sudden, I saw a woman glaring at my husband from where she was standing. She had on full leather. It was her. She picked up her shark helmet. She walked slowly towards our car. Am I really the only one seeing this? I thought. I looked at my husband, who was completely calm. I looked behind her. Her motorcyclist friends hadn't moved. I watched her as she walked closer and closer. She wouldn't look at me. The whole time, she was dead set on my husband. I quietly said as not to alarm him, Start the car. Pull your window up. He didn't hear me. Start the car. Roll your window up. She started getting closer. I said, Start the car! I panicked. I quickly punched the red button, threw myself across my husband's lap, tried to push the window, but it was too late. 
The lady stuck the top half of her body into the car and grabbed a hold of my husband. I sat back and froze. My husband didn't react. He continued playing a game on his phone. He didn't see or hear her. The lady started to cry. She pulled on his shirt. Please help Help me, she whispered. Then just like that, she disappeared. I looked at the sheet again, and it was as if she had never left. I guess I was just imagining things. I never told my husband what I saw. It was all just in my head. The next day, I tried to find everything I could about the lady who died in the motorcycle accident. I found through social media a husband grieving. She had three kids. The day after, I dug a little deeper. Her husband had posted that he didn't want to hear from or ever see the faces of this specific motorcycle club ever again. What did that mean? I looked up the name of the motorcycle club. They had a meetup group. I read the comment section. The lady who died had written several messages days before. She was brand new at writing and really wanted to go to the next meetup. She just had to make sure she had a babysitter and no one knew who she was meeting. She wasn't hesitant at all as they said she would be attempting one of the trickiest hills to ride on. Little did she know, one mistake of keeping up with the others and crossing double yellow lines would cost her her life. I took what I saw from that day as a warning sign. I didn't know why I imagined the lady asking help from my husband, but I did tell my husband, who was a motorcycle enthusiast himself, that maybe he should stop riding. Then just several days later, my husband got a brand new job as a cemetery caretaker. The cemetery was almost an hour and a half from home, and with 921 acres, is one of the largest national veteran cemeteries in the nation. They bury almost 50 bodies per day. He was assigned to a specific lot during his training days, but then one day, they called him for help on the complete opposite end of the cemetery. He found it pretty weird, but didn't think anything else of it. That is, until he found out whose body he was helping bury. My husband called me right away. What did you say was the name of the lady we saw die last week? Terry Alasco. Why? Um, I'm burying her body right now. You're joking. Of all people, of all cemeteries, of all cities, this one? You? Yes. I know, my husband answered, understanding the coincidence of it all. For the next several days, my husband was assigned to her spot. He was told to do odd jobs that had nothing to do with his duties, like pick up old flowers from each gravesite. He didn't know why he was stuck there, by her, by the lady we saw lying dead on the road next to her motorcycle and shark teeth helmet. But then he started to see different visitors. One would bring her flowers. Others would leave empty bags of chips. Another started covering up the last name on her gravestone with duct tape. Then even more attempts were made of covering up her last name. He had never seen this before. My husband would, over and over again, remove the tape and wipe off the sticky residue from her gravestone. My husband made sure to keep a tighter security, specifically on her gravesite. Visits eventually slowed down, and my husband was assigned elsewhere. We would never learn the reason why people littered on her graveyard or were so focused on covering up her last name. 
Perhaps it was over a love affair, a quarrel out of spite or anger. But one thing I do know now, because more coincidences like this have happened to me since, I did see the soul of Terry Alasco asking my husband for help. And he did help her, if not for his own little way of putting her dead body to rest and making sure no one defaces her name ever again. For whatever reason, the spirit of the victim chose Micah's husband to help protect her grave after she passed. Or maybe she knew that he would be her future caretaker, and that's why she sought his help. Or maybe all of this is just a crazy coincidence. Chapter 3. Just a Coincidence There's a phrase, whenever I say it, something bad happens. Ever since I was a kid, I used to sing it all the time, like a harmless playground chant, completely unaware that I was the reason my class size kept getting smaller. There's a phrase, whenever I say it, something infuriating happens. It wasn't until I was 13 that I used it like a weapon, aiming it directly at those who crossed me. It was then that I discovered the power of this phrase. There's a phrase, whenever I say it, something unforgivable happens. And so I learned to clench my teeth when that phrase wanted to be born again, but sometimes it would be much stronger than me, and I'd let it escape. They tell me that I'm connecting unrelated thoughts, that a string of words cannot cause a string of destruction. They tell me it's all just a coincidence. Life is random. Death is random. It is impossible for me to possess such power, and I am arrogant to think so. There's a phrase I haven't said in years out of fear of what I might cause again. And you know what? It feels So freeing to have already said it to you. So if something unspeakable happens in the next couple of hours, just remember, it is not my fault. It is just a coincidence. Before I became a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full-time animator and character designer, and podcasts kept me company while I drew, especially paranormal podcasts. One of my favorites was Jim Harold's Campfire. I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs. In fact, it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week. The story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel. And also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's Campfire was a huge inspiration for me. So do me a personal favor and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Stories with Sapphire. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Chapter 4. The Reluctant Psychic. I know people are going to have questions, and that's the frustrating part. Is so do I. I don't have answers to any of them. I have no idea how any of this works. This is Derek Hayes. I initially interviewed him to hear about a cryptid experience he had as a child, which I'll share in a future episode. Then he shared another encounter he had, where he saw a full-body apparition at his grandparents' trailer in Florida. I would see a Native American dancing in, in the room. Now, when I say dancing, his hands were way up over his head, just flailing back and forth. His knees would go up to his chest. He was He was having a good time. And... It was very detailed, too. He had feathers coming off the back of his head. I could see, like, a trail going, uh, you know, down his sides of something that came off his headdress or something along those lines. I could see little uh, shells or little details. So I would see this every single time, and I would tell my parents, I would tell my grandparents, like, there's there's a Native American dancing in this room, and I wasn't afraid of it. I was fascinated. I wanted to figure out what was going on here because, obviously, he didn't do anything to me. He didn't even uh, show me that... He knew I existed. He was just dancing. That's all he was doing. I asked him if he had any theories as to why he was able to see this Native American man, and he laughed <laughs> and seemed almost hesitant to talk about it. I, 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 I'm kind of embarrassed by it, to, to be honest, but I, my, my wife says I have an ability. She says I have abilities to read people, to, to find missing things, psychic stuff, I guess you would call it. Maybe that has something to do with why I was able to see it and nobody else was. And I don't talk, I haven't talked about this with anybody. I think my wife knows and maybe she's told a couple people, but I don't go around announcing that that I even think that I have this ability. I, I can sit here and say, oh, I have quote unquote abilities. And then somebody's like, well, what am I thinking right now? And I can't tell you that. So uh, automatically I'm, I'm wrong, you know? And it just makes me feel dishonest to claim something and not be able to back it up because I have no control over this. Sometimes it works perfectly. Sometimes it doesn't work at all. One of the times when he had been accurate was with a close friend named Kate. They planned to meet at a bar and catch up. The night before they were supposed to meet, Derek had a dream. I had a dream. And in the dream, this is how it always plays out. The person walks straight up to me. It's like a movie scene. And she says one thing, I'm pregnant, and then leaves. And, okay, I'm like, oh, well, that's the weirdest thing. Kate would never say this in a billion years. Party girl, she's never going to say that. I talk to her at work all the time. We talk about life situations, and she was adamant. I'm never having kids. That's not for me. I'm never having kids, never having kids. So we go to the bar, and I told my wife, Sarah, about it. And I said, you know, you know, I had this weird dream. She's like, oh, you think it's right? I'm like, yeah, probably not. It's Kate. That's never going to happen. So after a while, I watch her, and she's drinking drink after drink after drink. I thought, oh, I'm dead wrong. I'm dead wrong. So at the end of the night, I go up to her, and I say, hey, I just got to tell you, like, last night I had a dream that you told me you were pregnant, and now I see you're drinking. It's obviously I was way off. And she literally set her drink down, and, like, tears come out of her face. She's like, it's, I don't even, haven't even told my parents yet. These are fake drinks. I just didn't want you guys to know. What? And I'm like, how in the hell <laughs> of all things? Uh, and it was dead on, and, and I can't live that one down to save my life. This wasn't the only incident when Derek was able to know information he couldn't have previously known. This past Christmas, his sister-in-law had sent his wife a gift. 
She lives out of town, so they were FaceTiming each other so she could see her reaction when opening the gift. And my sister-in-law knows that I do have this thing or whatever. So she's like, no, 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 no. Before you open it, Derek has to tell you what's in it. So I, I'm like, all right, well, I'll humor you. So I touched the box and I'm like, okay, well, I got an image in my head. So I described the image and it was a cup. I described a cup, but I didn't know it was a cup. It was upside down. And <laughs> I said, well, it's an acorn without a cap. And then there's a weird squiggle across the front. And that's what I told them. So they open it up and it's uh, like a little steel uh, wine cup. Uh, wine glass, but it's made out of steel. So it looks like an acorn. And then on the front, it says Sarah scribbled out in cursive on it. That kind of blew their mind, too. So, like I said, I have no control over this whatsoever. It's just sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I asked Derek if he'd ever tried to use this ability for the greater good. Yeah, actually, I, <laughs> I, I do that all the time. Like when I'm like perusing Instagram or something and I see a missing person, every single time I'm thinking... You have, you think you have this gift, or whatever, whatever it is. I think I have. You can see I can't even put a word to it. That's how embarrassed I am about it. Um, but if you know, if I think I have this ability, then I should be able to find this missing person, right? So I'll sit there for ten minutes, just blank-minded, and like nothing comes up. So I get so frustrated about that. I'm like, well, if this stuff is real, why can't I use it to actually do some good? So to answer your question, I've tried. It just doesn't really doesn't really correlate. Plus, what am I going to do? Call the cops and be like, oh, I think the guy is buried under this. And then next thing I know, I'm in jail. So I'm just, I'll stay out of it. (laughs) So Derek may not have been able to solve any crimes, but he has been able to use this ability to help him in a situation with significantly less stakes. I did have one thing come in handy. We actually got married in July of last year. So we had everybody fly into L.A. from all over the country and come up here. So it was the day everybody arrived, and we're trying to, you know how it, how it works. You're just scrambling, trying to get everything ready, ready and together. And there was some stuff we were missing, and I, I'm thinking, where did I put this thing? Like, I put this box of stuff somewhere. And we had, like, 10 minutes. I'm like, if I don't find this, we're in trouble. So we're looking, looking, and looking, and finally Sarah's like, just use your thing. Like, I can't remember how she worded it, but it's just, she said it just like that. She's like, just find, just use your thing and find it. So stubbornly, reluctantly, I did. I sat down for like two minutes, cleared my head, and what I got was um, the color uh, red, white, and yellow, but each of the items were like this little, like, they look like tiny, like, uh, space capsules from the 60s, like the Friendship 7 that John Glenn went up in is what it looked like. And I'm like, I have no idea what the hell these are. And there was some other item, and now I can't remember what the item was. And I'm thinking, well, great. That gives me absolutely no information whatsoever. So I, I look around, look around, look around, and it dawned on me that in my closet I have an old VCR. The cords on that VCR, if older people listening, RCA cables are red, white, and yellow. And they each have those little cones on it. So when I opened the closet, that's the very first thing I saw was those three sitting in the pattern that I saw in my head. And then the other item, which I forget what it is, and then underneath that was the item I was looking for. The way that movies and TV shows portray psychic abilities, in my opinion, does a disservice to people who may truly have a gift. Because usually, these fictional psychics have clear, unmistakable visions every time. 
After all, if you're going to convince the audience that this character truly has an extraordinary ability, they better amaze us down to the last detail. And if you're ever wrong, your credibility is stripped from you. Derek made it very clear that he doesn't want to claim this ability or even give a name to it because he doesn't want to be wrong. But when you think about anyone who is at the top of their profession, athletes, chefs, writers, do they make mistakes sometimes? Do they have critical failures? Absolutely. But does that make us discount their abilities as a whole? No. You could train to be the best and still make mistakes. Why don't we give psychics the same luxury? And look, I know that there are a lot of frauds out there who intentionally trick people into believing they have abilities. But those aren't the people I'm talking about. I'm talking about the real mediums. The ones who don't ask for monetary compensation for their readings. The ones who don't fully understand their abilities themselves. The amount of frauds out there make it much more difficult for real psychics to be taken seriously. I'm really like nervous that people are going to listen to this, but I've never shared this with anybody. So you're getting the exclusive here, and I'm going to never hear the end of this. If you like real, unexplainable encounters, then check out Derek's show, Monsters Among Us, a podcast that gives a voice to those that have encountered mysterious creatures not known to modern science. Now it's time to respond to your messages. Any advice that I offer is purely my opinion and meant for entertainment purposes. Dear Sapphire, Night before last, I only got three hours of sleep because my room was freezing, despite the heater being on, and I felt tormented by something. Then just before I called it quits and got up, I had a really bad dream, warning me to be careful that my autistic grandson, whom I'm raising, would be taken and put in the woods. In the dream, I was in a church that resembled the church I grew up in, but it was all fake. Then I woke up, and held my grandson because he sleeps in my bed. Then I was tormented again by that same dark energy. My grandson said he saw a short, dark thing near my room. Last night, I covered us in God's light and love and strung up blue Christmas lights, and the room is now warm, and we slept very well. Today, I will salt the corners. What are your thoughts? Brandy. Thank you for your question, Brandy. First of all, I'm so sorry to hear that you experienced that. That sounds absolutely terrifying. There's a chance that there was a shadow being in the room, which is what your grandson might have seen. They create a sense of fear and feed off of negative energy, and that's actually how they manifest in the first place. So you mentioned that you didn't get that much sleep the night before, and that also contributes to that as well. So the best way to ward off these beings is to remain positive and warm, which is what you did when you covered yourself in light and love and warmth, and eventually they will leave you alone. Um, Lighting sage and clearing the energy in your room will also help. I hope it doesn't happen again, and I wish you well. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to show your support. What creepy coincidences have you experienced? Let me know at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Salamat and good night. Mm-hmm.
Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sandalo. The Soul of Terry Elasco was written by Micah Yanessa. All other stories and music written by Sapphire Sandalo. For more information on this episode, visit storieswithsapphire.com. <laughs>